It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. From the home of TV news, interviews and reviews, this is the Custard TV Podcast. It's the Custard TV Podcast, joined today by writer Stuart Harcourt of ITV's new comedy drama Love and Marriage. Firstly, Stuart, are you are you happy with that sort of comedy drama title? Is that something you, you're happy for the series to go under that umbrella? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what it is. Our, our intention was to create this warm, big-hearted, complex comedy drama that made you laugh and also moved you that's exactly right comedy drama is it is it harder as as a writer to make something warm and likable than it is because a lot of television focuses on on characters we sort of love to hate whereas this is feels very warm and very likable and very relatable is that sort of harder to do in a way well it it is hard because you take it away from the extremes of drama you know if you're doing a a police show or something you know you've got you've got a baddie and you've got a goodie and you've got bad things happening in the world that are very dramatic and take you into ad breaks and you know and keep viewers hooked who who murdered the the child you know in broadchurch for example mm. it's a, it, there's an evil act at the heart of it uh, in a show like ours, there is no evil act in the heart of it. Um, you're just trying to portray realistic people, honestly, with all their humour, their warmth, with all their own darknesses. But their darknesses are not going to be as extreme as you know, as a murderer. So um, it is hard because it, you you need to generate the drama elsewhere. You need to have that kind of um, you need to generate a charm, really, and a likability which is so intangible, and you don't really know until you've got it in front of an audience as to whether it's, um, whether it's going to work or not. So in, on, that, and, uh, on that level, it is, it is quite difficult, yeah. And so the basic premise is we follow the Paradise family. They're a normal, everyday family. Mum, Alison Steadman, Dad, Silent Ken, D- Duncan Preston. And when her father dies... Uh, Pauline, Alison Stedman's character, decides it's time to move on, have a change in life, and leave her duties as a wife and mother behind. She's not always been happy in her relationship, but she wants to move on, and she moves in with her sister Rowan, who sort of married up, was the phrase that was used. Where did that idea come from originally? Uh, Originally, the idea came from a producer called Becky D'Souza at Tiger Aspect, and she had... Uh, the idea that she wanted to write about two sisters in their 60s, one who was had married up and one who had uh, stayed working class. And from that original idea, we started talking and we realised that the show we wanted to make was about a 
a sprawling complex family uh, and about the marriages within that family. And um, so the starting point for the series is uh, it is uh, Alison Stebbins' character making this, this huge decision to, to down tools and not be a wife or mum or daughter anymore and about the ripple effects of that through the marriages in her family. I was very interested in writing about how we're quite influenced by our, our family and our close circle of friends, you know, how we all kind of get married at the same time, and then we have babies at the same time, and then we get divorced at the same time, and then, you know, and we're constantly looking at our the, the, the marriages closest to us, I think, and thinking, what, what decisions have they made? You know, is that right for us? My God, someone's made a break for freedom. Should I make a break for freedom? And so the ripple effects of what Pauline Paradise does in episode one echo throughout the whole family, and that's our show. And it's, it's a clever idea from a writing perspective as well, because you can write about different relationships across the family. All their relationships are quite different. It was the one that you sort of related to a bit more than the others. Oh, gosh, I mean, I see myself in all of them, actually. I think um, uh, I do see myself in all of them. Um, you know, watching episode one the other day with the press and I, I was thinking, uh, you know, in the conversations between Ken and Pauline, I was thinking, gosh, that's me. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, later on in the show, you see other, you know, there's, there's a... a, a a marriage that is struggling financially. There's a marriage that is struggling to uh, have a baby. Is a marriage that's struggling about jealousy because one of them thinks the other one's more attractive than she is. And um, there are aspects that have been in my relationships, you know, you know, down the years. And um, so there's not one specifically, um, mm. but uh, I do see it everywhere. I think, in a way, the closest I see. Uh, I mean, I see myself in Pauline quite a lot, and I see myself in Kevin. And, the eldest child quite a lot um and another thing that sort of sets it apart and i think audience will, audiences will perhaps be talking about when it airs on wednesday nine o'clock on itv uh is that um the talking head segments where we sort of see the characters talking to a camera we don't hear the cameraman or camera woman asking questions yeah. but we we see them where did that come from and what do you think that adds to the show well it came from uh, you know, it's a, de it's a device that's used in many shows like Modern Family or The Office, you know, and uh, etc. Mm. Loads of shows use people talking to camera. Um, when I first started writing this show and started trying to get hold of the characters, they were the first things I wrote. I almost did it as an exercise and just have conversations between married couples and interviews almost. And um, I liked them a lot, or I liked some of them a lot, and started putting them into the scripts, and people liked them in the scripts. And, um, and then we, we talked about how to do it, because we weren't doing a mockumentary like what Family no. or The Office. And um, so we had the idea that they would be almost in a, a kind of high street photographers and, um, you know, having a family portrait. And, uh, and they would be talking to us. They would be talking to the audience. And... Um, I thought that was very exciting, and I thought that by telling the story in this way, you can cut between scenes where they're having trouble in, in the marriage. They're dealing with, you know, they're hitting the skids or something, or they're dealing with not having any money, and they're arguing about it. And then you can cut to them on the high street photographer's sofa, talking in a really positive way about how they got together or about what they love about each other. And... Um, I thought that was a really interesting way to tell a story 
in a sense that when we do fall out, when we do hit uh, rocky times in our relationships, we often forget what's good about the other person and why we're with them and why we're together and things like that. So to do these revealing to cameras um, felt really fresh, actually. And it's an interesting device because even when they're, they're talking quite honestly to the camera at points, and then sometimes in the case of Pauline's character, they're, they're still lying to not to them to the camera and to themselves yeah. in a way, yeah, aren't they? Absolutely. I mean, the the stories we tell it, uh, those segments to camera, they're they're kind of about the stories we tell about our relationship, you know. And we've all got uh, stories quite honed down, I think, about how we met and wh- why we fell in love with them and why we didn't go off with uh, the person you were with before and get married to them and all that kind of stuff. And when the babies were born and what it was like, so. And these uh, these stories are not necessarily the truth, you know, because they've been polished and they've been honed and cherished and um, hung on to. Um, they are full of uh, little dishonesties that we tell ourselves or little things that we gloss over. So sometimes in the two cameras we're looking at, say, Pauline and Ken talk, and we know more than they're letting on about their situation you know and they might be telling us a very happy story about how they got together but we know the real the reality behind that was that it was only because the boy she really fancied didn't turn up to the party and stuff like this you know mm. um and it, 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 it just felt like it had a, a nice frisson to it in terms of the storytelling and in terms of the casting you've got celia Imre, you've got alison steadman were those the sort of names that were floating about at the very early stages? Were you very lucky to get who you hoped you would get? We were really lucky. I mean, our, our director, Debbie Isaac, um, quite famously says <laughs> that she cast it in five minutes. You know, she sat there and she went, this, <laughs> I want this, I want him, I want her, I want him, I want her. And then, um, and then it drove her slightly nuts, the fact that casting takes place over two months. And, you know, everyone goes, well, what, you know. But... Um, they were absolutely at the top of our list because we wanted really good actors, you know, the best we could get. And we wanted actors that um, had comedy chops, you know, that were really good at playing uh, the lightness in a character or finding the comedy in a situation. And not every actor can do that, but these actors you mentioned, you know, and Ashley Jensen and Stuart Wright, they're, they're terrific at comedy. And um, as well as being very good, truthful actors, and they were the ones we went for, you know. When we went to set, um, Celia Imri particularly, because I was listening back to the audio of, of my visit to set, yeah. and she said that you write particularly brilliantly for women. Um, how, where does that come from? I mean, how do you write so well for female characters? Um, I find that... Uh... Um, I find that stories become more interesting to me when um, I'd put a woman at the centre of it because there's a tendency when you write that you do write about yourself, you know, and that's why I think Stephen King writes about writers all the time now, you know, because um, after a few books, what he knows is being himself. And um, if I take a step sideways and if I put a woman at the centre of a story, it frees me up. And um, I find the thing so much more interesting. And, of course, I still do write about myself in many ways, and I see myself in Pauline and various ways. But mm-hmm. um, it feels like it, 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 it's a greater act of imagination. And also, I think, um, 
you know, my, my great hero as a writer is Ibsen, and I think Ibsen, uh, you know, by putting women at the centre of many of his stories, many of his plays, um, was revolutionary. You know, there, there, are, there are voices that are unheard, and most of those voices that are unheard throughout history have been women's voices. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a uh, you know, there's, there's a residue of that today. There's obviously many more women writers now and there's many more great actors and, you know, great actresses and there's, there's, there's a big focus on women but, um, than there was before. But it's still new ground that's been breaking and I get very mm. excited about that, about thinking about, um, you know, women at the centre of any story really. The other really different thing about this is the setting. Coventry, yeah, um, because it, you sort of your mind already thinks if it's going to be about love and marriage and young people, it's going to be set in London or Manchester yeah. or where, where did the Coventry? How did the Coventry setting become about? Um, well, I'm from Coventry, and Debbie Isaac, the director, lives in Coventry, and the show never felt like it was a London show. To be honest, when we were writing it, it felt like. Um, didn't have that metropolitan edge, although, you know, no. it just didn't feel like London people. And uh, we looked at where else to set it, and there's hundreds of shows are set in Manchester and Leeds and Bristol and Newcastle and Liverpool, and it felt really fresh to think of Coventry and to um, try and persuade people to go there. Not in a sense of it's not a very nice place to go, but in a sense of... <laughs> it's, Please come. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a... Because it's not a hub of production... It's, mm. it's a bit more expensive because you've got to put the whole crew up overnight. There's not a crew that live, you know, the, like Manchester's got a great hinterland of people who, who can crew your show, for example, as well as actors and directors live there. Um, Coventry doesn't have that kind of hinterland, so um, it's slightly more expensive to pay for the, things like travel and accommodation, which are the most expensive things about a show. Um, but I'm really glad we did it because it does feel fresh and it feels... Um, it feels, again, it feels like it's not just uh, same old, same old, you know. It's like no. it's, 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 it's a different part of the country. It's middle England. It's right in the centre of England. There's a, there's a school in Coventry called Heart of England School. And I've always loved that as the name of a school. And I've always kind of thought, oh, that's kind of what this show is. It's about the heart of England. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's warm, ordinary people uh, struggling with... Um, being alive, you know, and, and the, ple- the great pleasures and the, and the difficulties of being alive. So how would you categorise, we, we said at the top about comedy drama, what, what's the balance in love and marriage? Do you think it sways towards one more than the other? Oh, gosh, I think, um, I hope not. I think, uh, because I think that is the key in a comedy drama. If, it, if it's too comedic and too silly and too contrived, then... It doesn't become very real. I think what happens with many comedies that are based in reality, um, they become quite grim quite quickly, and they stop being very funny. Uh, there's some very famous comedies, I think, and I watch after the first couple of episodes, I almost don't laugh because it's either too painful to watch or it's too, you know. Mm. And uh, so you want to keep things real without plunging people into the depths. Um, I mean, I hope it's a 50-50 balance. Um, how, how I structure a show, how, how I structure an episode is that I think of two big comedy moments in, uh, in an episode and aim for them 
and then tell it as truthfully as possible so that I've got to get people to a pitch where they're being chased by, uh, you know, a, a, an eight foot elephant through the through Coventry city center, which is what happens in one of the episodes. Um, but it's very real because he's just found out that the elephant's sleeping with his wife, you know, so he's chasing. Himself, <laughs> of uh, course. You know, and it's, he's desperate. He wants to catch this elephant and punch him in the face. But, he, you know, but then again, you've got this very silly idea of um, an elephant running through the shops being chased by an angry man. And, um, you know, so that's when it really flies, I think. And um, hopefully there's a couple of moments of that in every episode. And Celia Imri and Larry Lammer are an interesting pairing, and particularly their characters, Tommy and Rowan. Um, the mistress element, it, it's really well observed here, because he sort of gets away with having Rowan as a mistress. It's sort of He sort of has the thumbs up from his wife. Yeah. Was that hard to sort of get across to, to an audience? Oh, gosh. Well, um, I don't know, really. I mean, I think they're... Um... In a way, it hasn't really been in front of the new audience. And when we, when this series really focuses on their marriage, their relationship, which is episode four, um, it'd be really interesting to see what people think of it. I mean, people have had the strongest reaction to it because they're either threatened by the um, by their relationship or um, by the decisions they've made or don't quite understand it. I think, why doesn't the wife go around there with a rolling pin or whatever? And, uh, but because the relationship is so long, it's been going on already seven or eight years, um, it's very established, and it's, they've kind of got through that pain and that difficulty and that negotiation uh, that would come in the early years of, a relationship like this or Larry's character taking a relationship like this and it's just how their lives work at the moment they see each other every day he goes home every night he's, he doesn't want not to be married to his wife but he doesn't want to lose Rowan it's kind of like I think Larry and Celia saw it as being a kind of French relationship you know where they're that was the phrase he yeah, used actually it's very French it's a slight that's how, yeah, how Larry described it exactly and I think it, it is a relationship that I've seen a number of times in my life, um, and especially at this stage where it's been old and established, uh, you know, and it's 20 years old. And um, But, you know, the, the man has lived a... Has, has got two homes and has got two wives. And, um, it, and two lives, in a way. I yeah, suppose. exactly. And I, and I think, in a way, the wife, his wife, who we do see in the epi- in this series, not very much, but we do see her, she has a speech where she says... I've had to understand that to keep my husband, who I love very much, and we do have a good marriage, I have to share him. And wow. that's something that um, I remember a, a woman in her, uh, she was about 90 years old, she had a relationship like this. She was the wife, and her husband mm. had had this very long, 40-year relationship with another yeah. woman. And that's exactly what she said to me. She said, well, you know, I was only about 19. She said, Stuart, I've, in order to keep him, I've had to share him, and that's been okay. And, um, you know, it was, it's not been easy, but it's been okay. Oh, that's incredible. And, and one of the things that struck me on the visit to set, I think we all said it, was how the the younger members of the Paradise family, the Ashley Jensen and, and Stuart Wright and all those people, they had a, a really easy chemistry yeah. between one another. Really relaxed, really jokey, really fun. Is that something that that you can help 
progress as a writer or does that come between actors? I think it comes I think it has nothing to do with the writer actually um I, I mean I, I think it comes from the actors and whether they get on or not you know just like whoever we work with in an office or in a workplace you know we get on or we don't get on and um and this this cast really got on very well and I think also it has a lot to do with the director and um who leads the team and leads it every day and Debbie set up a really great atmosphere where the actors felt very comfortable um and so they felt very comfortable with each other and she created a a situation where uh this family who all get on very well um could function and that rubbed off on the cast I think and because the cast are all, they're all really nice people as well they none of them came with uh you know with egos and and and, and you know uh, uh, and all that kind of stuff they all came no. to do as good a job as they could and they were pleased that they got on with each other and they had a really nice 12 weeks I think and they got on very well and how do you view the industry at the moment for writers? Are we in a, a good place for new material? Is there, a, is there a lot that's open for new writers? I think we're in a great place for new music, for writing at the moment. I mean, <clears throat> not only are um, not only are there very are there more channels doing drama. Um, you know, I mean, even now you you know you're seeing it's very high profile American. You're seeing Netflix do Arrested Development and House of Cards. They're not even broadcasting them, you know. And um, so many other companies and, and channels are, are looking at drama to make a presence, which is great for writing, you know. Also, it's quite interesting, lots of these channels don't have very big audiences, so they can be, they can be more experimental. Um, mm. So something like, I don't know, Mad Men or something, it gets a tiny, tiny audience, really, in terms of mainstream television in America or, or in Britain. But it doesn't mean it can't punch through as a great piece of work um, and be very popular in its own terms and work for its channel. And then I also think the, the big channels, ITV, BBC, they're really confident at the moment and in terms of drama. They trust their drama. Um, that We have drama figures we thought were things of the past, you know, with Downton and Broadchurch, for example, on ITV, to get nine million, to, you know, call the midwife. That's fantastic. And five years ago, it, we were seriously thinking, you know, will we ever get four and a half, five million again consistently for a show? And, but to be able to have a runaway hit like those three shows are, gives everyone confidence to trust, you know, their writers and their drama makers. So it, we're in a really good place at the moment, I think. And do you, do you feel like there could be scope for more series or is that something you sort of don't worry about until this first series has gone out? Um, I'd love to do more series. I think, um, I mean, I'd love to do more. I've got so many more stories for these guys. And I, I, I'm, I'm quite frustrating. We only had six episodes. I kind of wanted ten. I wanted to really get in there. And um, I would love to, I would love to do this for years, actually. Um, and uh, and hopefully it, It'll do well enough that we'll be able to come back, but it's um, uh, but yes, it's absolutely our ambition to keep this going. And will you watch it when it goes out on Wednesday, or do you feel like you've seen, you've seen <laughs> it so many times now that you? I've seen I've seen I've seen episode it. one a bit too much. Um, will I watch it when it goes out? 
I'm actually on Wednesday nights when it goes out. I'm actually, um, I'm, I've actually got an obligation. I'm, I, I do something on Wednesday nights which I can't really get out of, so I won't be watching it live. Unfortunately, terrible. I know. But uh, but in a way, that's a mixed blessing because you do sit there praying the actors remember their lines and things like that, and <laughs> it's really odd when it goes out because it does change, and in the context of it. You know, because you, you've watched it in isolation for so long. When you see it go out with the lead-in from the other show, with um, uh, what Wednesday night actually feels like, with all the adverts around it on ITV and stuff like that, it does change the nature of the show. I can imagine that. Uh, um, yeah. And it is odd. <laughs> and, um, and then, of course, people watch TV on Twitter all the time and things like that. So it's, it's, it's a strange experience, but it's... Um, is that something you'll sort of you'll look to, or will you sort of turn away from the comments of people on Twitter and things? Because people will be annoyingly, and I find it annoying now. Yeah. People will be twittering during the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in a way, Twitter has saved. I think Twitter saved television because it's made it an event. So it it, it saved drama on television. So. The thought of seeing a football match the next day is silly, isn't it? Because you know the result and. Why, why mm. sit through it all? Um, and in a way, drama is getting a bit like that. If you meet, miss Downton or you miss um, Broadchurch, the next day everyone's talking about it because there's such a conversation about it. And that conversation has been generated or has begun online. And um, I think that community of television, again, is something we haven't had almost for a generation, you know, since... Steptoe and Son or something, you know. It's, a, it, it's made it a, a community event and a live event, and I think that's terrific. Um, but that doesn't mean that it... It doesn't mean it's all necessarily pleasant if you're... Um, no. If you've got a show on that's not doing particularly well or is not, it's not very popular, it's, uh, it's worth turning Twitter off <laughs> and, uh, you know, and going to make yourself a cup of coffee. But it's... Um, I think... I do think it's a great thing, actually. And... Uh, yeah, I do think it's great, and 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 that way that the different media are now rubbing off each other is um is exciting. I think there's a lot there for people to relate to. I really do. Uh, Love and Marriage Wednesday nine o'clock on ITV. Alison Steadman, Larry Lamb, Celia Imry, Ashley Jensen, fantastic cast. Thank you ever so much for your time, Stuart. Pleasure. I hope it does really well for you. Thank you very much, Luke. Cheers. Download this podcast from thecustardtv.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.